Hi, I'm Amanda Kors. Welcome back to Just Sustainability's special feature on socially engaged philosophy at the intersection of sustainability and social justice. This episode features the second half of my conversation with Dr. Eugene Chislenko. We start off by talking about a common sentiment that's both important and complicated, climate doom, and how to respond to those who say we're doomed. It's interesting the kind of resistance that you encounter mm-hmm. when you when you try to do this. Like I, I led a workshop in my department on sustainable practices, and I've been talking to other people that have tried that. Um, actually, Naomi Klein in, in this changes everything. In the first part, she talks about just so many different ways that people have of looking away. Yeah, um, is that where she and, talks about magical thinking? Is yeah, that so part, part two, of mag- yeah. part two is magical thinking. Okay, yeah, yeah. that's sort of a, an extension of like looking away is like the. So some something will magically save us. The billionaires will save us. Yeah, the tech. will save us. Yeah, um, but there's so many there's so many ways of that we kind of find of not quite looking at what's happening. Um, one that I hear is we're doomed. Yeah, That's, my mm-hmm. colleagues are saying. Yeah. You know, a couple of them are like I think we're doomed anyway, and that that really stopped me when I first heard it. I kind of walked out and I was like, damn, there's probably some good answer to that, and I didn't have it, and I don't know what it is, and kind of had to think yeah. about it. But but I think that there, I think there, there's a news piece about this now too um, about doomism being the new climate denial. That mm, like what it's, yeah. it's another kind of denial that what, what, it's another kind of looking away. Like what we know yeah. is that climate change is real. It's caused largely by humans. Um, it's it's already causing major damage and will cause much greater damage. Um, and there is a limited period of time uh, in which we can turn around. Um, a, a very significant part of the worst of its effects. And we, we know that in the same kind of way that we know that climate change is partly human caused, right? Yeah. So we're not, I mean, some, some people are doomed anyway, whatever that means, but, um, yeah. but we're not doomed anyway in the sense that nothing that we can do will help. It, on the contrary, we, this is an incredibly interesting and high impact time to live. Um, yeah. So that's so that's one interesting like just colleagues saying we're doomed anyway. What's the point? So it, it's yeah. like it's good to have whatever your answer is to that. Um, and another one that I've been hearing is um, it's really hard for the mental health of our students to yeah. talk yeah. about this. This kind of thought of like protecting the mental health mm. of our students. I think that's really important to think about. That's another one that's like if someone says that, what is your answer to yeah. that? Like it, it is actually very stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the the best answer to that is that, yes, it is very stressful to talk about it, but it is vastly more stressful uh, for young people when no one is talking about it. Yeah. Uh, like, what is yeah, it like for, for a five-year-old or a 10-year-old or a 20-year-old um, to know that this is happening and just see, like, the pretense of everything's fine? Yeah. Um, that yeah. is really terrifying, and I think that's documented. Yeah. Um, for for an anecdotal case, I really like Greta Thunberg's TEDx talk where she talks about like if this is really happening, why isn't everything stopping? Right. right? Yeah. Um, so I think the answer is we have to find good ways of talking about it. We have to be kind. We have to give people a chance to talk about how they feel and mm-hmm. connect it to their own lives. But um, the the mental health effects of not dealing with this are really extreme. I think if we kind of keep that in mind, then 
Yeah. So, so I just kind of want to say, because that's, that's the two forms of resistance that I see the most. And I think there's good answers to them. No, no, I'm really glad you brought that up because that was one of my questions. Are you thinking about these sort of barriers to sustainability and the, you know, the different, um, I guess, emotions really that people are faced with when they start to think about, okay, what changes should I be making if I'm really taking this seriously? Um, and thinking too that, you know, we're start, we're at the place where we are starting to like see real time effects of, of climate change. Like people mm-hmm. are starting to realize like, Hey, the weather's really weird. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't used to be like this when I was a kid. Uh, so yeah. something is happening. It might not be like raining down fire, but something, something is not right. And so I think, you know, we're kind of at this weird threshold where things are starting to change. And of course, obviously impacting Western societies, the global North in a very different way than the rest of the world, um, which is obviously a huge justice issue as well. Um, But uh, I think, you know, it can be really difficult for people to um, acknowledge that there's a threat, but it's sort of like an amorphous threat at this, but it's starting to sort of take shape. And that's putting people Mm -hmm. in the strange position of having to acknowledge like, okay, this is something that is going to impact me in my lifetime. If I have children, it's absolutely going to impact them. And, and for us as educators, right, for our students, it's, this is something that's at the forefront of their minds basically all the time because they are yeah. thinking about what, are, what is my life going to be like in 20 years? Will the, you know, <laughs> what will society be like? Will, will we even be here? And, and I'm glad you brought up um, uh, do- doomerism <laughs> um, because I actually um, talked about this with Clement in a previous uh, episode because um, that that's something that I definitely got very much caught up in. It was like I was doom scrolling like there was no tomorrow. Well, <laughs> I guess that's particularly <laughs> applicable. <laughs> uh, yeah. And um, because I felt like this, this is the reality of things. Like, why is no one talking about this? And then yeah. when you see that community of people being like, yeah, things are bad and they're going to get worse. What are we going to do about it? Like just sort of makes it real in a way that is um, comforting because it's like, it's putting it out there in the world. It's making it feel, make, you know, making you feel like you're not imagining all of this. This is really happening. And what are we going to do moving forward? And so that's something that I've been trying to think about a lot is like, if we, you know, acknowledge these forms of denial and acknowledge what we have to do to overcome them and accept that, you know, this is a reality for our future, you know, the climate crisis is here, <laughs> here to stay. Um, what's next? What do we want to think about? How do we want to behave? How do we want to interact with each other? How do we want to restructure our lives and society, our communities, every, every all of our networks, right? Knowing that changes are going to need to be made. Um, yeah, I don't know. Sorry, a little bit yeah. of a soapbox there. Yeah, no, something there, I've been there, thinking about a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, there's a lot there, and what you said, and I, I would say again that the first thing, the first thing that's clear is don't go to avoidance, right? So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just so terrifying to know that this is happening and um, and not, and not talk about it. Um, I think actually it's, it's, it comes with a powerlessness when you don't talk about it. Yeah. Um, you sort of know that it's happening. You're not really getting to talk about it or process it. So it's all kind of bottled up, but it's there, you know, there's just like intense undercurrent of terror and whatever else. Um, and you also feel powerless because you're kind of not doing much and you're not sure what you can do and how you fit in. Yeah. Um, so I actually think it's much scarier. I'm the happiest I've ever been. 
I, I, I feel so good knowing <laughs> that I'm giving my heart to the right thing yeah. and yeah. being closer to people and having conversations that feel real and like they're not bullshit. And I have something to talk about at work dinners now that I'm really excited about. Like I've, I've never <laughs> been better um, despite the, the stress. Um, so I think actually like noticing things and helping people notice in a good way and see the connections yeah. is really good. Um, we actually, in, in at Temple University where I work, uh, we had a a uh, major tornado incident uh, this semester that, that caused a major campus closure. Oh my gosh! <laughs> in, in Philadelphia. What? Um, How did I from, not hear this? From from the from tropical storm remains coming up and coming through. Right. Um, okay. And so it's kind of a freak thing, and and you know, but if you help people notice, like you know, these tropical storms and hurricanes are much more frequent and much stronger now, and look what that's connected to, and so on. Um, yeah. So I think helping people notice is is really good. And what else was there? There's something else I wanted to touch on in what you said, but there's so much there. Um, uh, I was talking about doom scrolling and making it real, talking with other people, putting it out in the world. But doom scrolling is funny because I, <laughs> I think I know I know for me and for a lot of people, we sort of have this combination of of denial and obsession. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's like it's really hard to take in you know, like with any kind of grief or big loss, it's really yeah. hard to take in that this is happening. Um, and at the same time, it's like, Oh my God, this thing, this thing, this thing, this thing. Um, so sometimes you just want to turn off the news. There's actually some things that I, to be honest, there's some things I don't bother to learn because I want to focus on, um, the, rather than some of the scientific details, I want to focus on helping people notice and, yeah. and think about how they want to take action. Um, yeah. so sometimes you want to read positive news or less news and, um, overwhelm and burnout are not our friends. So. Yeah. No, especially now. I mean, yeah, not even factoring in pandemic, everything pandemic, <laughs> people which, are very overwhelmed in that regard. Is, so. Yeah. I mean, w- one of the concepts that I think is useful in, in climate philosophy is overlapping crises, mm-hmm. not just in philosophy, but I'm um, talking mm-hmm. about climate change, like, um, this is this is what we're getting used to now is overlapping crises. Mm-hmm. Um, there is usually going to be um, a tornado and a shooting and a pandemic, yeah. or or pick three other things, right? Yeah. Uh, a fire um, yeah. and um, a death in the family uh, and uh, a rearrangement of your teaching schedule because somebody else had a crisis, right? Yeah, um, yeah. it's it's just going to be typical now that we have these overlapping crises and. Um, that I think that also makes it really important to, on the one hand, not avoid what's happening, but on the other hand, we really have to think about how people are doing and like check yeah. in with them and, and think about people's mental health. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me, so I'm not going to rem- be able to remember all the details of this, but so, so one thing that I've been, so I'm currently working on this grant project on stress, right? Thinking yeah. about stress. Um, and, um, some of the research I've been looking at uh, has to do with um, PTSD and how different cultures deal with PTSD in different ways. And um, and I, again, I can't remember the details of it, which is too bad because it's really interesting. But that the cultures who encourage people to talk about their experiences in warfare, for example, um, actually those the members of those cultures do better because they're able to put it, I keep saying put it out there in the world, but I think that's a, that's an apt way of putting it, right? Like 
making it real in terms of um, addressing it with other people and acknowledging that it really did happen and acknowledging that it was a difficult thing and sort of coming together to grieve together in that way and then moving, you know, overcoming and moving on from there versus, you know, in the States where it's like, you don't talk, <laughs> you know, there's so many things we just don't talk about. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and I think, you know, those are things that we should really, I think would be beneficial to keep in mind is that these are conversations that are beneficial to have because, um, every, you know, keeping it to yourself, I don't know, maybe I'm going on a bit of a Maybe I already said this. I don't know. I feel like I'm losing my train of thought. But does, does well, that, that make yeah, sense? Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm really glad that you're doing that. And I don't, I was wondering if you're going to say going on a tangent. I was going to say this is exactly the opposite of a tangent. Oh, okay. And so, so uh, you know, one of the things that, that I do have some background in, in in doing ethics, it's not climate, it's thinking about, you know, what's really important here? What are, yeah. what are the really key issues that we need to address? Right, and so that's some of how I kind of stay in climate. Is if I if I think about what's really important here, what's going to um, be defining in our lifetimes, what what most needs addressed. Um, climate change is is right in the heart of mm-hmm. of that cluster of things. Um, it, there's going to be so just so much impact there is already, and uh, just imagining it, you know, multiplying and then multiplying again. Um, so climate change is really central, and then if you think about dealing with climate change, what's going to be really central for that? It looks like social movements yeah. are going to be really central for that. That, yeah. that there's, there's political power that's really important. There's individual consumption that's really important. But so much of what's needed now is a movement, a mass movement, mm-hmm. uh, a climate movement, basically, to yeah. address, you know, there's going to be disagreements within it and all of the things that come with movements, but, but a movement is very needed um, right away and as big as possible. Yeah. Um, and is in progress, but just needs to keep getting yeah. bigger, right? And then if you think about, well, what's important in building a movement? Um, it looks like a lot of what's important is relationships and emotion, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Yeah, um, coming together, yeah. And that's, that's, to me, that's the line in my mind of, of like, let's focus on some key things, right? So there's, there's going to be um, justice issues that are crucial. There's going to be relationship issues that are crucial. And there's going to be emotional issues that are crucial. And yeah. that's, that's also something that, that a lot of us are kind of like, I don't really want to deal with all of these, like, <laughs> you know, I'm really scared and I can't deal with that right now. Yeah. Uh, but that, that is what we are dealing with. Um, that is what we have and what our kids have and yeah. what we have about our kids. And that is what we're dealing with. So I think, I think um, there's an argument to be made there that is being made in some places that um, this, the same kind of way that people are figuring out that racial justice and other forms of social justice are absolutely central um, yeah, to yeah. environmental issues. I think we are figuring out that um, emotional and personal issues are absolutely central, that the fear and grief and overwhelm and denial and so on um, are directly at the center of what we have to handle. Yeah, all those things are interconnected and they impact each other in ways that are relevant for understanding how to how to deal with them moving forward. Yeah, no, I think I like that a lot. I think and frankly, that's one thing that kind of I always I'm wary about using hope. I feel like that's another ism that um, that people have at least, you know, thought oh well what's this concept really doing for us here but but in terms of you know feeling at least inspired about the future i it seems like you know the younger generations are 
organizing and are thinking together about what they want to change moving forward and, you know, realizing what has not worked and what has caused them to suffer as a result of not working and how they want to see their lives playing out in a way that makes them think like, let's do something together now, you know, and maybe you probably have more experience with this than I do working with Sunrise Movement. But, you know, I think it is, it is a, a, a good thing to see the, you know, our students coming together and being like, okay, let's do this, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I, I think probably the worst side of hope is when it becomes magical thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, makes sense. Right. And so, so when, when we look at, for example, a youth led movement and we think, Oh, they're just so great. They make me so hopeful. Um, they're going to fix everything. Right? Yeah. They're going to Ge- fix it. Yeah. Ge- geoengineering won't do it, but they'll do it. They will. <laughs> These high schoolers are amazing. They're going to solve the problem. Yeah. Right. And, and at that point uh, they say, uh, don't thank me. Don't tell me I'm the hope. Uh, yeah. Do it. Uh, like join, join and, and help us fix it. Sure. Right? Yeah. Um, so in that kind of way, I mean, there's a kind of like passive hope that, that I think um, is probably another kind of denial, right? Like hope that something yeah. pump, something will come along, something or someone will come along. If it's not billionaires, it's high schoolers. Yeah. Um, but um, I like the way Greta says it at the end of her TEDx talk. She says, basically, this is the part where I'm supposed to say something about hope, and I'm not going to do that. Um, we've been doing that for decades. If it was yeah. going to work, it would have worked already. Um, yeah. I think she says what we need is not hope, but action. And when we action, act, hope yeah. is everywhere. Um, so in that, in that kind of way, um, we do need hope. So hope is the opposite of discouragement or something like that. And, mm-hmm. and we do, we do need that, uh, but we need it in a kind of practical way. And it also comes much faster when we just kind of just join something. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do something, even if it's the smallest thing, just doing something. And I think actually that's a, um, an interesting thing that I think, um, a lot of people have felt maybe this is a source of some resistance for people is like individual action just doesn't feel like anything like it. I was just reading. I think there's some comedian again, I'm terrible at remembering details of things, but I was just reading about some comedian who was talking about like, you know, like washing out a container to recycle it and like, you know, meticulously washing it out and then realizing uh-huh. like, what am I doing? Like, this is not going to change the world. And I think, you know, a lot of people get really hung up on that. It's like, well, if it's only recycling one can, like who cares? Like nothing's, it's not even probably going to get recycled. But I think that's a place where, you know, and again, to, to come back to the, for this organize your networks phrase, right. I, I really love that is, um, you know, if you think about it at a, on a community scale, like you can make an impact on a community scale. You can talk to your friends and your loved ones and your work, coworkers and everyone in your networks and talk about those changes that you're making. And then they go on to talk about it with their networks. And then those people go on, you know, and so there is a way, you know, you can't talk to the whole world. And you can't talk to just yourself, right? (laughs) But you can talk to your communities, right? You can talk to your networks. And that has a sort of, you know, um, feedback effect maybe, or at least like, you know, a a building up effect that makes those individual actions meaningful, I think. You know, that's one way that I've been trying to combat people's hesitancy when it comes to individual actions. It's like, no, the individual actions, you're making them as part of a community. and if you talk about it with your community, that's a, that's a significant change in the world and it can, it can go on from there. You know? Yeah. Especially if you organize for some institutional change. I mean, if you, yeah. 
you know, these, these like in, in philosophy, for example, these mega conferences, I don't know how many flight miles they are, but I would guess somewhere on the scale of a million each yeah. if you get, I don't know, 800 people um, yeah. to, to come in, right? Um, it's a lot, yeah. Could be more than a million. So if you, if you inject some energy into getting 20 or 30 people together to encourage people to, to alternate, um, that's really noticeable. And if you're also yeah. writing something on the side and teaching something, um, I think that's all very impactful. And then especially with climate change, I kind of like to talk about uh, bonus multipliers in video games. If you're okay. really playing yeah. for, for people, for people <laughs> who play games, like, you, you know, you might get a 2X or a 3X multiplier. Um, and suddenly for the next minute, you know, you get a lot more bonus Ultra points. powerful, yeah. <laughs> and I, I think, I, th- I kind of think climate, doing stuff on climate is, you know, you get a 10X multiplier. Um, compared to a lot of other things that that we can do just because the impacts are so big. And and I have done events that have felt kind of dinky, like, you know, six people come and you're like a bunch of prep went into this. Is this going to do much? Is this worth it? Um, Well, first of all, it's usually disproved six months later when one person from there does something really noticeable and and tells you that you're a big part of um, inspiring them to, to do that. Nice. Um, yeah. You know, they'll like get a curriculum requirement changed, and so that all freshmen have to take a sustainability course or some, you know, oh, something wow, yeah. like wow, wow, okay, that's cool. Um, <laughs> and even even for individual consumption, um, utilitarian. I'm not a utilitarian, but they talk about spirals. You know, you mm-hmm. do something, but then other people see you do it, and they start talking mm-hmm. about it, and they start doing it too. And there's a lot of side effects and spirals like that. And and then especially if you're organizing for institutional change. You never know when something that you do will affect the course of human history. Um, yeah. And sometimes it won't and sometimes it does. And especially if you're experimental, uh, try six things and one or, if one or two of them start to really take off, just go with those and yeah. live the rest of your life. Yeah. And you never know who's going to see what you're doing and be inspired to do it themselves. And then, the, uh, yeah, I like the spiraling term. I think that captures it really nicely. Um, but yeah, especially at the, um, for, you know, if you're affiliated with an academic institution, if your department makes a change and um, has it on the website saying, like, here are all the sustainability, pra- sustainable practices that we enact, you know, other departments can see that and be inspired. Other schools could be inspired, you know, faculty at other schools. And so there is a lot of, like, cross-pollination, maybe, that works. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm bad at metaphors. I'll go with it because it sounds good. Um, <laughs> Uh, that can happen that you don't even know is how you might not even know has ever happened. Right. But it's, but just putting it out there gives that, uh, gives people material to work with. And I think that can be really beneficial. I think also another thing that helps me when I, when I do something that kind of feels small is it's practice. Mm-hmm. Small, small events are practice for me and for everyone else there. Um, and we actually need practice because a lot of these things, you know, I talk about skills that we already have, but some of them, some of these things are actually really pretty new to us. And I have no idea what I'm doing some of the time (laughs) when I start something. Um, but once you've done a few of them, there's often a chance to do something bigger. And so I kind of double down on like start, it's fine to start small. It's more doable and you can, you can accumulate the skills you need on the way. And then it, it really does have an impact right away and spiral and so on. And percolate but also you can get bigger uh over time and over not even that much time 
Yeah, yeah, nothing has to be perfect on the first go. That's a big thing in the in the zero waste community, right? It's like, uh-huh. well, you know, and you see pushback everywhere. It's like, well, this is not really zero waste because it came in a box that you now have to, and it's like, all right, well, it's close enough and that's an improvement and that's all that we can ask for. And all, you know, just thinking about making those changes incrementally or if, you know, it requires a step back, that's okay. Like, but just acknowledging that this is something that we're working on and thinking about ways to make it work, um, you know, those those are improvements over not doing anything. <laughs> yeah, so. some some of them also are really easy. Um, yeah, I, I remember mm-hmm. when when Sunrise was helping to organize um, big, these big climate strikes, and I was helping with recruitment for that. And I think I emailed. I probably spent about ten fifteen minutes emailing um, maybe ten or fifteen colleagues, like faculty and grad students in my department that I thought would be sympathetic, um, asking if Sunrise could come in and make an announcement in their class. Yeah. You know, could they have five minutes of your class? And we got like one or 2% of the Philadelphia climate strike uh, mm. from people that went together from, from that. Mm-hmm. And it was quick and easy and um, didn't hurt me in any way. If, if, <laughs> if, any, like if anything, showed initiative. And um, sometimes I have them come in for a whole class. Um, I did that a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. And I just prep one less class and <laughs> it's, it's not a big sacrifice. I just, yeah. you know, I do something easy instead of prepping a class and, yeah. and then I have them come in and, um, and it's really effective. So there's, I also like to think about low hanging fruit that some of the things that are needed are high risk and high sacrifice, but mm-hmm. for people that are not ready to do those things, there's just a lot of low hanging fruit around and yeah. there's a lot of kind of win-win moves that we can make. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that, that for, uh, in the various, uh, you know, the guidelines that fosters for sustainability is put together. It's just like a nice cluster of ideas. Like here, here's the low hanging fruit here are places to get started. It doesn't have to be complicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks. And yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a really, really beneficial for the community to have. So we're about our time here and, um, we like to leave a couple of minutes if there's anything that you would like to talk about or touch on that we haven't had a chance to yet um this is the time to to share any remaining thoughts if there's anything you want to yeah thanks um it's been really great to to talk to you i, I really love this interview and this is yeah, a great thanks. podcast thanks for having me um <laughs> I, I think i would say try holding a local event mm-hmm. um if you're if you're not sure what to do Try holding a one-off local event somewhere. If you are a philosopher, or maybe that doesn't matter if you're a grad student or faculty somewhere, try holding a one-time sustainable practices workshop. Just fold it into your Friday workshop series that you have around, or see if your chair will give you 20 or 30 minutes at a faculty meeting, have people pre-read the eight-page guidelines and talk about next steps together. Um, or if you're somewhere else, try just holding it somewhere else. Um, we have a suggested format on our website, and you, you're welcome to to email me. And um, Amanda knows a thing about or two about this too. People, there's we have people that that are working on this. Um, Caitlin Pettit is also running this series with us. Yeah. Um, it, it's great to do it as part of a philosophy department life, but also it can be really anywhere. Um, and it's it's a great way to grow. It's a great way to feel not discouraged and not powerless and and not terrified. And it can be an hour, an hour and a half or two hours. And 
Uh, you just you can kind of get people if there's space, depending on what the community is. You can get people talking about emotions and personal things, and sometimes that's what's needed. Yeah. Um, or you can also just go to next steps and and what would be good, and do we want to alternate our colloquium series, Zoom and in person, and <laughs> think about our food or what's happening in our curriculum and and things like that, or if it has nothing to do with an academic environment, um, that's fine too. And you can, then it's maybe easier to talk about emotions and so on. And yeah. I kind of, I like to do an arc that's like starts personal and toward the end goes to strategy. Um, I mm-hmm. think that works pretty well. And just try it, find one person that you want to do it with and try it. And if whatever institution you're in, um, it's, it's really fun. It makes you hate your job less if you hate your job, because <laughs> you feel like you can do something good there. Um, yeah. it usually shows initiative that's appreciated um, and, it has a, and it has a real impact people are really relieved to do it um, yeah. some people I like to say at the beginning kind of why we're doing this here I have a few talking points on that but th- that makes sense to people and people are scared but they're really relieved and they sort of feel like okay something wrong stopped and something right just started if we're mm-hmm. actually thinking in some kind of collaborative way about what makes sense for next steps for us yeah yeah, and I think a lot of it is just acknowledging the our I've been thinking about it in terms of like the way that we perceive things. So, you know, in the past we might have looked at the leftover roast beef sandwiches and thought like, oh no, big deal. But now, you know, we look at them, we think like, this is a huge waste. Like, why are we doing this? There must be a better way. There obviously is an impact, negative impact to the environment here. How can we, you know, we're seeing this differently now because mm-hmm. sustainability is on our minds and it's in our lives, right? And so how do we want to change our behaviors to match those perceptions, right? That's that's one way that I've been thinking about it. And mm, I um, like that. Yeah. And and so, you know, just giving giving people the opportunity to sort of acknowledge the way that they perceive things, thing like, oh, maybe I could see this differently. Like maybe maybe I should go home and sort through my trash and see what I, all the stuff that I'm throwing away that I could be recycling or something uh-huh. like, like that, right? And those are, those are small things and they're doable. But it's just that shifting of, of perspective, you know, that, that can be really valuable. That's right. Anyway, sorry, that was your moment to say things and then I went on a big no, thing. That's, <laughs> that's great, that's great. Um, I really appreciate the chance to do this. I, I love what you're doing and I love how you're doing it. Yeah, well, right back at you. I'm really excited to see the group continue to grow. And and it has grown a lot. I mean, you've got members all over the world now, which is super exciting. And the API campaign's taken up, two plus one campaign's taken up. We just put up a map. So, yeah, we're really... Oh, did you? Oh, fun. Okay. Of numbers, yeah. Nice. Let's check that out. Um, Yeah, great. Okay. Any, Any last remarks before we wrap up? No, I think that's it. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. We've reached the end of my conversation with Eugene. We talked a lot about different barriers to sustainability and how to overcome them. And as part of that, we talked about helping people to notice sustainability issues, how multiple kinds of justice issues are central in the climate crisis, how to understand hope, and bringing about change by starting simple and going after the low-hanging fruit. As it turns out, there's a lot of it. Thank you for listening to Just Sustainability. If you've enjoyed what you heard, please support this podcast by subscribing and leaving a review. Just Sustainability is recorded with the support of the Institute in the Environment at the University of Minnesota. In particular, I want to thank Peter Levin and Beth Mercer-Taylor for all their help with this show. All the music on Just Sustainability is composed and recorded by Clifton Nesseth 
and all the artwork was created by Kristen Nesseth. Thank you again for listening.